morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you are, no matter what time it is, it's a great day to be serving the Lord. Welcome to the Go You There podcast. I'm your host, Leland Johnson, and we are so thankful to have you with us today. Learning a language is one of the largest challenges that many missionaries face and may be the single biggest reason that more people don't go to the mission field. We're going to talk about it today. Let's head into the open. In Genesis 11:7, God says, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. You know, when God does something, he does it well. Language learning is more than learning a new way of speaking. It's learning a new way of thinking. Thinking in English and saying it in another language can only get you so far. A friend of mine wrote me about the language learning experience, and he said, we found that speaking a new language is a lot like playing a game of taboo. There's a list of words you can't say because you don't know how to say them, so you're constantly having to find ways to work around them and explain yourself. At times, it's a fun game, but most other times, it leaves us looking at the Tower of Babel with a little more indignation. You know, that's so true, and I think a lot of missionaries feel the same way that he does about the language learning process. Today, we're going to talk with linguist Dr. Grace Hargis, who's going to be giving us some insight not only into learning a language, but also into continuing to improve over time. We're also going to introduce a new segment called Devil's Advocate that I think is going to be a lot of fun. Let's get started. Our guest is Dr. Grace Hargis. Dr. Hargis has a PhD in linguistics from Indiana University and has taught as part of the language and literature faculty at Bob Jones University for over 50 years. Dr. Hargis has always had a heart for world missions. In fact, when it was time for her to do her doctoral dissertation in linguistics, she chose the Philippines. She spent time teaching in eight different countries in Central America, Africa, and Asia. Grace, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you, Leland. I'm delighted to be with you as well. Most missionaries, and probably would-be missionaries, see language learning as the biggest obstacle to serving on a foreign field. How would you say that a missionary can see the bright spots in learning a language and not just the confusion? Well, I understand that feeling. Um, I think if we consider language as an aid to communication, very helpful. And so if we think about making friends with the people and learning to talk with them without an interpreter, without that barrier, uh, in the language that they think in and that they talk among themselves with, the language of the heart, as it's sometimes called. If we think about the goal and we think about the people, um, that helps. And, of course, as with anything that we do, we ask the Lord for his help. And uh, God's grace is abundant, even for language learning. You know, Grace, let me ask you this question because it's something that's always confused me. When I walk into a Chinese food restaurant, for example, in the U.S., the lady behind the counter speaks English, but I can barely understand her. 
Yet I have a Chinese American friend that speaks English fluently and also speaks fluent Chinese, both without accents. We're all human beings, and God made us all with the same mouths. How can I go from sounding like the lady in the Chinese food restaurant trying to talk my target language to actually sounding like a native speaker? Excellent question. Um, now, of course, we need to realize that your Chinese-American friend is undoubtedly like a friend I was with just a couple of days ago, uh, who is also a Chinese-American. She grew up in the U.S. and had parents who spoke Chinese, so she spoke Chinese at home. She learned Chinese as a child, and so she is a native speaker of Chinese. She went to school and had friends outside the home who were English speakers, so she's a native speaker of English as well. She has a great advantage, and I'm sure that's the same advantage that your friend has. People who have grown up in that situation have what we call independent bilingualism. A person can think in Chinese and talk about whatever is needed in Chinese as long as the exposure has been complete enough for the person to know the vocabulary necessary to talk about whatever it is. Likewise, is completely independent in English. Now, most second language learners who start as teenagers or older typically will have dependent bilingualism, dependent in the sense that, let's say it's an English speaker learning Portuguese. That person filters things, at least at the beginning, through English, thinks about things still in English, tries to figure out how to say things in English, you know, and then says them. And along with that dependent bilingualism, there is likely a very definite, uh, heavy foreign accent. Uh, some people do better at that than others. Uh, the Lord has given all of us different abilities, and some people seem to be more adaptable. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, uh, having had some background with studying uh, phonetics and, and learning different sounds can help with that. But if you want to go from sounding like a learner of the language to sounding more like a native speaker, there are two things I would suggest. One is to get a lot of exposure to the language, not just in a class and listening to tapes, but being with people, trying to understand them, spending a lot of time trying to understand and trying to make yourself understood. You know, little kids have the ability to learn whatever language they're exposed to. Adults are different, but not completely different. As adults, we also need that exposure. And we can learn. You probably yourself have had the experience of, of being able to recognize somebody else. They'll say something and you'll think, that doesn't sound right. I don't know exactly why, but I don't think a Brazilian person would put those words together in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's because we still have a remnant, at least, of that ability that we had as a child to subconsciously absorb, to subconsciously figure out what the system of the language is. So exposure and trying to understand, trying to make oneself understood, doing a lot of reading also. It's 
this is a written language, uh, can be very helpful, helpful with vocabulary, helpful with grammar as, as well. Uh, but another thing that is, is going to be helpful is to get some feedback. And this may be difficult depending on your relationship. What you need to develop is a relationship with some nationals who will be frank with you and tell you, you know, if you say, what makes me sound like a language learner rather than a native speaker? Hmm. Is it the words I use? Is it how I put the words together? Is it the forms of the words, the endings, the beginnings, and so on? Uh, or is it my pronunciation? Or probably, you know, it may be all of these because as non-native speakers, well, like the language that I learned in the Philippines, as far as I could tell, you know, I was speaking it perfectly. No <laughs> doubt that was not true, but it seemed that way to me. But, of course, easily hear a foreign accent in someone speaking our own language, and they can hear that much more easily than we can. Adults usually don't totally get there, but we can keep improving and keep going closer than we are. One final question, and we'll finish up. Let's say that I've been on the mission field for years, and I can speak and communicate well in my target language. You know, aside from picking up a new word here and there, how do I continue to improve my language skills? That's an excellent goal. Um, many people, once they're able to communicate, stop trying to improve. So to have the desire to improve is really important. There's a term for it that is used in the field, fossilizing, <laughs> rather than getting to a certain point and just staying there. It could be that it would be helpful to go outside of your normal circles of communication. The people that you talk with all the time are used to you. Also, they may be hesitant because of respect for you to mention things. But if you go seeking someone with whom you don't have that familiarity and that you don't have that kind of relationship with, you may be able to get better help. Before you go, I know that you offer a program to help in linguistics. Can you tell us a little bit more about the program that's available? Yes, I'd be happy to. I teach at Bob Jones University, and we have a program of missionary linguistics courses that we offer in the summertime. We set this up years ago deliberately in order to be able to help missionaries rather than having the courses spread out over nine months of the, of the regular school year. And so we have courses aimed toward language learning, followed up by a couple of courses for Bible translation specifically. If anyone wanted further information about any of that, you just go to www.bju.edu and type in missionary linguistics and the information would come up. These courses are offered every second summer, the even-numbered calendar years. So 2018, they will be offered, and again, if the Lord tarries in 2020, 
Dr. Hargis, if someone wanted to get in contact with you to ask some questions or some follow-up on the information that you've shared, how could they do that? I would welcome an email. Um, my email address is G for Grace and then Hargis, H-A-R-G-I-S, at bju.edu. Thank you so much, Dr. Hargis, for spending some time with us. The information is not only interesting, but is invaluable to helping us in doing the work that God has called us to. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Our next segment is a new segment called Devil's Advocate. You know, a lot of times there's two or more valid sides to an argument that need to be discussed. In this segment, me and my co-host are each going to take a side of an interesting argument and try to show the pros and cons of taking a particular course of action. Keep in mind that any time we air this segment, the goal is to explore both sides, not to necessarily argue for the side that we personally hold. As in Debate Club, sometimes you find yourself arguing the negative side when you really believe the positive side. The goal is really to just get both sides of the argument out there. We hope that you enjoy. Today we're going to play devil's advocate with a topic that I know brings some strong reactions from missionaries on foreign fields. You know, the more missionaries you ask, the more opinions you're going to get. Let's play devil's advocate with should you go to language school or should you try and do it on your own? Joining us today is our favorite devil's advocate contrarian, Wes Pala. Wes, how's it going today? As contrarian as always, sir. Awesome. You ready to jump into today's topic? Let's do it. You know, Wes, to me, it seems like going to language school is the best option for missionaries. You know, it, it brings that structure. It gives you that direction. You're getting to a foreign field. You're going in every day, several hours a day, working on learning the language with people who have trained other people how to learn the language. You have that set time and that set amount of information that you're going to get over the time that you're there. And, you know, it, it really just seems to me that that's the best option. Nobody goes to any school for 12 months and, bam, comes out mastering a language. You're talking about going somewhere 12 months. Depending on where you go in the world, that may be 24 months or more. You're going to make a significant financial commitment. You're constrained to the structure of that class, even if you could be learning faster, even if somebody is holding that class up. You could be learning some things of that language that are not necessarily pertinent to your ministry, and then I have to consider this. If the only way that I can make myself learn this language in this country where I'm now called to minister is to force myself to go to a school for hours a day and have somebody hold my hand and walk me through everything, and I have no self-drive to take care of this on my own, then maybe I wasn't even supposed to go there in the first place. Well, okay. I don't need to go to school to learn a language. I can do that just like I did my first language with the people. Okay, all right. Yeah, but come on. A lot of missionaries, you know, that may that may sound like a good thought at first, but when you get down to the practice of it, how much time are you really spending? You get a tutor to come to your house one or two days a week. Maybe you're out an hour a day grocery shopping or doing other things. In practice, I don't think that really works. 
No, I think it does if you're thinking properly. I'm going to a new country. They speak a different language. This is a different culture, so I've got to learn and adapt. And if I've made that a priority, understanding I've got all these churches with this prayer investment, this financial investment behind me, I have a responsibility to go there and get this thing taken care of quickly, even if I went to a language school. You're not coming out of there having mastered all the colloquialisms, all the nuances of the language, all the theological terminology, having learned all the faux pas. And how many times has a missionary gone to a language school for X amount of months, paid all that money, and then they get out on the street, and when they're actually finally starting to make connections with people and build relationships, and they're starting to converse and use what little of the language they have assimilated, then their people are looking at them kind of funny and say, yeah, we, we don't really say it like that. Well, you, you said, okay, that's not the way that you learn your first language. I mean, that's true, but with my first language, I have years to learn it. I'm not trying to pick it up in a year. I have three, four, five years before I head off to school. Every day in my home, my parents are speaking. They're correcting me when I'm speaking incorrectly. As a missionary in my 20s or 30s or 40s, I don't have that parental influence in the home. I don't have that native speaker there that's going to correct me. In a school setting for three or four or five or however many hours a day, three, four, five days a week, I have that time with the instruction where I'm getting that good information that I need. Is the only place I can get that instruction in that classroom environment bound there for three, four hours a, a day for three, four, five days a week? No. And the mental capacity that you had when you were two years old learning to talk was probably not quite as developed and alert as it is now when you're 25, 28, 30, 35, 40, whatever. You also have a greater mental capacity to learn, to understand, to perceive, to all those things. So why could I not make it a point to be in constant regular contact with these people, making an effort, and then go get a tutor who is much more flexible and can tailor their material to my learning style and my abilities or limitations, and I can be learning with the people, and then for those more technical things, my tutor can fill in the gap. We've all seen where you get a tutor for what, one or two times a week? They come to your home for maybe an hour. They, You maybe get to the information. Maybe you spend time talking about other things. Maybe you're not feeling well a particular day. You know, there's no testing. There's no write a report. There's no get up in front of a group of people and speak. I mean, yeah, you can do it that way, but with a tutor, you're turning around and you're saying, okay, now I'll bring you in when I want to, I'll pay you what I want to, and we'll cover the information that I want to cover. The, the tutor's not going to feel comfortable walking into your home, you're paying them an amount of money, and then saying, hey, you failed this test, you need to do this information over again, you need to start over on this section. They're not going to hold you to that level of accountability. And I understand your point there, but at the same time, the same 
guy who's going to call in sick with the tutor and say, hey, today's not a good day is the same guy that's going to call in sick to language school, so to speak, and not go to language school that day because he's not feeling that good or not show up to language school that day because one of the kids needed to go see the doctor or, oh, we had to take care of this legality with our visas, all the van broke down. If they can skip out on a tutor, they can skip out on language school, and then I'm paying all this money, and I'm serious, and I'm dedicated, but then – this couple or that guy or these people, whoever else is paying for the language school at the same time, and they miss, or let's say they had something happen. Well, now we've got people in the class that are not at the same point. They're not on the same level. They're not in the same place learning at the same speed. So now we have to hold up. we got to wait for you, and I could be doing so much better on in, in any way you want to look at it, I could be so much more effective, have so much more flexibility if I was doing it my way on my own at the best speed that I possibly could. And again, it all boils down to my discipline. If I understand the importance of learning and assimilating this language, if I am fully understanding the gravity of the moment, I mean, here I am as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and I have a, a multitude of supporters behind me. This is a big deal, what I'm doing. Then I shouldn't have to have mommy at the language school holding my hand to make sure I do everything just so like I need to do it. I am an adult now. I can wake myself up. I can make my own breakfast. I might even be able to dress myself, though it may not match all the time, and I should be able to take responsibility for myself as well to learn a language and to do so properly and effectively. The person has to understand themselves because just to say, well, you're an adult, you should be able to hold yourself accountable. I mean, I know a lot of adults that them, I would say, yeah, they should be accountable. They're an adult. You're a big boy, but come on, we're in ministry. We know that adults don't always act in the way that adults should act. And I think sometimes paying that extra money and having that level of accountability, yeah, even though you do fall into some other issues with the classroom setting and other things like that, sometimes you have to know yourself and you have to say, well, maybe I wouldn't get up and study this on my own. Maybe I wouldn't be as faithful if I weren't paying for that accountability. It's like that in life in a lot of different areas. And I think there's a lot of people out there that, that need that level of accountability. Well, that sentiment, I will not debate you. I, I do think it's, it's, it's highly important for whoever the missionary is. They need to be honest about themselves. But if I was going to be my typical self, I would also say while you're being honest with yourself, if you're that kind of guy that needs that kind of level of accountability all throughout life, maybe the mission field isn't necessarily your line of work. I think at the end of the day, we just have to look and say, you know what, there's strong reasons to go in either direction. I think you just have to make it a matter of prayer. There's some good reasons to attend a traditional language school. There may be advantages to not and doing it on your own if you're going to commit yourself to doing it. You may be able to come out even farther ahead after 12 months or 18 months than what you would in a language school. I'd say the big thing is you make it a matter of prayer. You seek God. You seek to understand yourself and what your capabilities are, and then you move forward from there. I, I will say, you know, when you are pursuing anything, which field you're going to, how you're going to learn a language on that field, what city you're going to minister in, whatever, if you're sincerely seeking the Lord 
and you're trying to please our Savior, I don't think you're going to make a wrong choice because the desire, the underlying desire there is always, how can I best please him? How can I best serve him? How can I best represent him? And anybody that feels like this is the way, no matter which one of those roads they go down, they say, this is the way that is going to allow me to effectively reach my mission field. I don't think any of us would be upset or think they made a bad decision in that respect. Awesome. Thanks for the conversation, Wes. Really appreciate it. Always enjoy it. So how'd you like that new segment? Did you hate that new segment? We would love for you to let us know what you think. You can always do that by sending us an email at contact at goyethere.com or by sending us a message on Facebook or Twitter. In our next show, we have a guest that's considered by many to be a legend among missionaries, Dr. Don Sisk. He's going to be talking with us about some of the things that have changed in missions and missionaries over the years. Some for the good, some maybe not so much. We hope that you'll join us.